All right, welcome back, guys, to the Cinema Analysis Podcast uh, with me, Nate, um, Ian, and Mia. Uh, today, we're going to be discussing my two movies, which were Ian, Grand Arena. I said me, Nate, Ian, and Mia. <laughs> it sounds oh. like you're listing people. <laughs> I'm so confused. Oh. I, was like, I counted. <laughs> used my fingers to count the people. <laughs> okay, well, we're keeping that in because I liked it. Okay, um, well. I keep all of this in. Um, <laughs> my two movies are Gran Torino and Just Mercy. Both, like, super powerful movies. If you haven't seen either of them, I highly recommend them. Um, personally, I'm a bigger fan of Gran Torino. Not to say that Just Mercy isn't a good movie, but Gran Torino is, like, top five of my favorite films ever. It's insane. It's, like, super strong, super powerful, great message great movie too even beyond the message like it's just something you want to sit down and watch uh and so i guess we can each give our opening thoughts about the films um the connection we're trying to make here just so everybody's on the same page is to uh like racial injustice and prejudice and racial tensions uh specifically in america um and it you don't have to narrow it down to you know any one group it's actually you know a couple different different energies between the two movies different groups but yeah let's uh let's start with opening thoughts i can go first if you'd like or if either you two want to go first doesn't matter yeah you can go and then i'll go after all, that. Right. all right cool so uh i guess to keep it fairly brief um both movies are like great top tier movies and they're they're really i i kind of struggled for a bit to find two movies because i i picked the topic before i picked the movies and it was kind of hard to like pick really solid movies that had that were like good in quality beyond just the message to to fill this uh global issue here and um the first one i picked was gran torino obviously um well, actually, no, I guess I picked Just Mercy first, yeah, because that was, like, the obvious choice. Um, you know, it's racial tensions, it's about, uh, like, these the, the post, technically, you know, post-segregation times with high racial tensions in the South. Uh, I think it's in Alabama, so you know how that goes. Like, it wasn't a tough choice. And then my second movie, Gran Torino, that one, I'm actually pretty proud of that because it's not the your standard thought of racism in america you know what i mean you, you typically think like the struggles of african americans and such and that's not what this is this movie is actually about the the differences and the the tensions that exist between a world war ii veteran and um this asian american family so it's it's this anti not only anti-immigrant but anti-asian sentiment that's prevalent in the minds of um well I don't want to say a lot of older folk, but like that older generation who actually lived through the wars and, and stuff like that are, in this case at least, uh, very clearly more prone to uh, holding some of these relatively antiquated views. And uh, it was it was just really a, a strong message seeing this like this bond grow over the course of the film between the uh, the old guy. What's his name? Uh, Walt. Between Walt and the young Asian man, 
I think his name is Tao, but that might be wrong. But watching that bond grow and looking at the intricacies of the the struggles, I mean, I guess not to like steal Mia's thunder, but the the struggles that the Asian family was going through because of their their class, like their economic class and where they lived, the uh, <clears throat> the neighborhood they were in, and stuff like that. Um, and you know there were struggles with gang violence, and it was I don't know it was overall a very well-rounded, well-developed movie that included a very large amount of information and portrayal of both racial tensions and uh, like class struggle that comes with that. Like you can't really look at one without the other. So yeah, those are my opening thoughts. Yeah, I agree. I think um, what made Gran Torino really special to me is that it's not. It's, it's like you said, it's not like the obvious picture of race relations, race tensions in America. Um, it was very interesting to see it because like I, I haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about um, the gravity and the like prominence of like anti-Asian um, like sentiment from older people. And I think this guy, I think Walt actually fought in the Korean War too, um, if I remember oh, that correctly. Course um but yeah so that was interesting um because it's not really something i had thought about a lot and it, it gives you like a really good picture it's also just very well made and like very good acting and watching the relationship between him and tao develop as you said is is very cool because he's just like it's not even like subtle racism it's like he'll just literally say racist things like them and he'll like call Tao Toad and like he like went to their house for a uh, like a I don't know what the occasion was but for some sort of uh, like feast like they had like this whole like ordeal it was like it looked like a like it was a holiday dinner and like all their family was there but I don't remember what the occasion was and he was just like saying racist things like in the house with them um so that was weird but um yeah, and then uh, Just Mercy is a very different film. It's a lot more solemn because it, it deals with people on death row and like the whole premise is like trying to get someone from like trying to get someone to not be executed by the state of Alabama, which is a very different tone, and and it 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 like rubs off into the the way the film actually feels when you're watching it, but um. Yeah, both great movies. Definitely good picks. Um, definitely would recommend both of them. Um, if you're looking for something not more light, but more like, like, I don't know, more, like, more well-rounded as a movie, I think Gran Torino is what you'd pick if you're looking for something that's like, really just deals with an issue and is well-made, but is really focusing on a dark topic then i think um just mercy is a better movie for that but yeah yeah um i i like them both um i think just mercy um was definitely really interesting and i mean i've always been like really interested in the death penalty so it was kind of fascinating to me because um it, it also kind of talks about how you know um the the disproportional rate at which black people are um like incorrectly put on death row um 
So I, I thought that was really interesting. It was definitely a really powerful film. But I, I loved Gran Torino. Um, I, I kind of agree with everything that they um, you guys already said. The main thing is, um, like, yeah, it's it's bizarre. It's not a film about racial tensions that you would expect. I mean, there were, like, slurs that he was using against Asian people that I'd never heard before. Like, I literally went to my dad and I'd play him parts of the movie and I was like, is that a slur? And he just went, ooh. And I was like, okay, well, there's my answer. So just like so atypical when it comes to a movie about um, like racism, right? Um, but it was it was so well done. Um, I mean, just like this, like coming together and kind of almost the realization that um, like um, conservative old men have a lot in common with the culture of Asian people in the sense that they both have a very strong sense of traditionalism and family. Um, and I mean, just like him realizing that, like, they had very similar values, um, whereas, like, you know, he's starting to realize, like, you know, the, the faults that have become of, you know, like, the white people, which is mostly his family, as a result of all of the power and, um, like, you know, just extra power they get to experience. Um, and the one thing I will say that I thought was really interesting was that um, part of the reason that um, he's able to get along with them is because they're able to put up with him calling them racial slurs. Um, and I just think that's really important to note because I don't know how positive of a message that is. I thought it was really interesting to watch in a movie, but um, I don't know. It, it's kind of interesting to me that um, part of what made them end up being friends is that they were okay with him just calling them racist things. Um, because, you know, they, they endured so much already, it didn't even impact them at this point. So, yeah, those are my main takeaways from the movie. Well, I, I, I think that's actually two, there's two really good points there I'd like to touch on. Um, the first one is fresher in my mind, so I'll say that, because I probably already forgot the second one. Um, I, I was going to say also that I think Clint Eastwood uh, had just an incredible portrayal of uh, Walt, like that old dude, right? And um, it kind of reminded me, like, or your statement kind of reminded me, and you were saying how <clears throat> they, like, put up with him saying all these things. Um, I, like, I, I feel like it would be different if it wasn't Walt. Like, the fact that it's this old dude, like, really old man kind of changes things. And I don't know if that makes sense. But, like, I don't know how much time you guys have spent in, like, retirement homes or old people homes. But sometimes they just be talking and like, you're like, oh, wow, that was like, that was totally not cool. Like, you definitely can't say that. But they're, they're old people. You know what I mean? They don't, what are they going to do about it? They can't enforce any harm. They're just repeating the things that are ingrained in their mind. And I, that also brings up a point of like normalization where I think that the family A was like, not only was okay with it. Or I shouldn't say okay with it was not only putting up with it because Walt is an old dude who doesn't know any better, but also because the the type of things they were experiencing, like this, a lot of the stuff he was saying was was probably not new for them. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're living in a lower-class neighborhood. They're a minority group. Like, they've definitely heard, you know, some, some poor language tossed around before. And I think that might have also been part of my second point but i've i've completely forgot what the other one was but yeah that that was the main point i was trying to draw or i was trying to make is that i think that walt being an old dude is like the reason it's 
they're they're putting up with it. I'm almost certain that if Walt was portrayed by like, you know, a, a dude in his thirties, they'd be like, "Yo, you're not like coming into my house for dinner. You're kind of scum for that." Yeah, it's um, I I don't remember the name of the daughter, like Tao's sister, but um, she's her name is really Sue. Sue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Sue, like, she kind of plays the role of like like Walt will like say something racist or like intentionally butcher a name just because he doesn't want to pronounce it correctly and she'll just be like ha 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 silly Walt like what and and like that's her whole like <laughs> at least like towards the beginning like when they first start um hanging out and when she takes him to be um to the dinner with her family like like he'll that's pretty much her reaction to everything is to just kind of like giggle and like and like shrug it off without really um saying anything like hey like maybe you shouldn't like say that slur or whatever um so i don't know it's interesting and i I did think about that like you know what does that say about like i i sort of wondered like who made this like were there asian people involved in the production of the movie and i did i was gonna look into that and i did not but um yeah that was an interesting choice but i i obviously don't think that anyone should come away from that with and say like oh yeah like you know these liberals today you know being so upset about race like all you got to do is ignore it and then be nice to everybody and that's the answer because that's just like it's just stupid but yeah all right so um it actually kind of came up that i had a similar ish discussion to the point ian brought up uh in class actually we were talking about um the the trial in uh and well, I guess that was second period. So Miss Davis's class, uh, IB Eurasia. And Ian was talking about, or I guess not directly, but we were as a as a podcast, we were talking about the the nature of like uh speaking up versus staying quiet when you hear something problematic. And like I guess for the effect of this movie, we could we could say that maybe she didn't uh sue didn't fully understand like everything that was like problematic but at that she obviously got a fair bit of it um so part of the discussion i had in class yesterday actually uh led us to like talking about the ways we would address or like what what's a, how it's appropriate to address problematic things in different situations and like we it brought up an interesting point that that safety is actually like a pretty big part of how appropriate or inappropriate it is to address something you find problematic right like uh for the the example that we used was like um say like the the views we hold we the question in class was um what's one thing you're going to take with you from shaker right to college or like what what it, what's going to be different going to college than living in Shaker? Because obviously we live in a pretty tight knit bubble here in Shaker, um, where most people have at least overlapping trains of thought to where we can all understand what each other is trying to say. Um, whereas I'm going to be going to college in South Carolina, right? So very different atmosphere and there's a very real chance that a lot of my classmates ideas will not perfectly line up with my ideas and 
Miss Davis and I were like discussing the importance of um you know how how it really does matter to voice yourself when um when there's something problematic or wrong or something that needs to change but that voice also has to be the phrase I used was non-invasive right like there's definitely ways to go about explaining your opinion and explaining why something's wrong not I shouldn't have said opinion because like there's there's certain things that are just cut and dry wrong but there's there's ways of explaining that that thought process and like trying to use the right words to tell someone why something's wrong without being like too direct and too abrupt because you don't want to alienate yourself from people a like you don't want to push yourself away from you know possibly a helping them but also keeping them as like uh, an associate or a friend or whatever but also you don't want to put yourself in danger of like retaliation from such a like polarizing idea like you can't you can't be too abrupt with it because it might lead to conflict and in some circumstances that that might have been sue's way of like dealing with um the the issues of like slurs and problematic phrasing and stuff like that you know like she she certainly understood a fair bit of it but maybe she didn't want to bring it to a, a head and like she was more content with just like being an omniscient observer and listening to it than um rather than trying to start a conflict or make anybody mad or like push it to a breaking point and ruin the dynamic that was starting to form between Walt and her family. Um, and I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's really complicated. Um, I feel like the movie Gran Torino definitely kind of almost encourages everybody to just um, just take it. I mean, there's a whole scene where the boy practices walking into the barber shop and basically like you know getting called names and not saying anything back um and you know there's scenes where the old man will just start um walter right he just starts berating and harassing the family and um they just laugh it off and that's part of why he becomes okay with them because they're able to take it so i think that the film definitely does show a lot of characters who um just kind of put up with abuse um, when they don't have to. And I don't know, I definitely have mixed views on it. I think that there are a lot of times where people express views that don't really, um, that don't really like go against someone else's views. So it, it is kind of like, you know, not the correct time, but um, people still choose it as an opportunity to express how they feel about something. But I also think that um, what Nate said was right. There are a lot of times where um, it is important to express your views, especially in the face of adversity. Um, but um, I think what Nate said is important. Um, you have to do it in a way that doesn't vi like villainize the other people. It's really important that what you're saying actually means something, and that means kind of showing another side without making someone seem like the bad guy for not believing in it. So yeah, that's my thoughts. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's I think it's um 
a difficult position to be in because if someone is saying things that are really, really offensive um, to you for for very real reasons, like it can be really difficult to have to like feel like you have to um, filter your emotions and how you feel about that in order to like appease that that person. But um, I do think it's important because you're not really going to um, accomplish anything, like not always, but in many cases, if you just get angry, like that doesn't actually serve any purpose except like helping you uh, express your your feelings, like, and then nothing really gets done. So you have to, um, like Nate was saying, like try to word things carefully and really express how you feel without um, alienating or uh, villainizing the other person so yeah good point um if we don't have any other immediate thoughts on that point um i guess i have another talking point as well uh i do i would also like to say i agree with what both of you said i think using the word villainizing was was great um that's what i was trying to get at is you don't want to uh, by saying alien you don't want to villainize the people you're trying to help Okay, um, I guess my next point of talking isn't ridiculously well related to what we just talked about, but it's the next thing on my notebook. So, um, my thoughts during the movie, or during both movies, were like really directed at trying to find um, similarities because you know there's it's obviously different in the nature. Um, well, I shouldn't say the nature, but the the two the two different um, oppressed groups are very different and the reasons they're being oppressed or like the the backstory i guess for their oppression is pretty pretty solidly different and so i was looking to find similarities between the movies right um and i think the the most impactful one for me had to be the just unbelievably strong sense of community within the oppressed groups right like the um <clears throat> the family the Asian family in Gran Torino ridiculously tight knit. Um, I mean there was like yeah, through through everything really they were they were just always sticking together and their their sense of family even with like their well especially with their like family meals and stuff and just their 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 sense of togetherness was really powerful to me and I felt the same way about Just Mercy. Um, What's the guy's name? Walter, Walter McMinnon. Yeah, his wife Minnie, Minnie, and all the folks who lived in their their neighborhood um, were just like so well bonded. It was it was really powerful to see. Um, like throughout every stage of of the trial and the conviction and the lawyer coming over. Uh, what, what's his name? Stephen Stephen something Stevenson. I don't know. Uh, I have it written. Brian Stevenson. Yep. Um, even throughout him visiting, um, it was just it was really strong to see the entire community coming together over one issue and staying well bonded and staying together. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I really thought that those were the two like standout features i guess the same standout feature but the two standout features of these these great movies about um the issues of racial tension but do you guys have any thoughts on that 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think it's a really, it's, it's a good way of showing it because I, I think it's very accurate and that seems to be like kind of out of necessity that if you're in an environment where um, you're an outsider, you're perceived as an outsider and, um, you know, the, the people who are, I don't know, the out, opposite of outsiders, but someone who, you know, thinks they belong there, they're going to not exactly accept you. And so by necessity, you kind of have to bond with others who are, you know, perceived as outsiders so that you can, like, so you can form relationships and, you know, have family and, uh, you know, not just be miserable the entire time. So I think that's a good, that's a really good point um, that that is a similarity. Um, and I, I think it's a really, like, if it wasn't for that, um, the movies would be very different. It, it, like, it would be very weird if, um, you know, the Asian community in, or uh, what is it, Hmong, um, wasn't so tight-knit and that family wasn't so tight-knit. And it would also be very different if um, the community in uh, uh, in Just Mercy was not as tight-knit because then you wouldn't have the aspect of having all of those people together and you also wouldn't see, you know, their culture and how they are able to like express themselves and have a really good time, even though they're in an environment that does not really accept them. Yeah, and I would definitely say that, like, I totally agree with you guys. Um, one thing I think is that um, the Grantino kind of talks about the this issue in the sense that we see, like, we see a lot of different, like, racial groups and how tight-knit they are, but we also see a couple of white people. It's actually strange. You don't see that many white characters. Like, it's notable when you see a white character. Um, but when we do see the, um, like, white kids walking or the white family of Walter, um, they're all very individualistic. Um, all of them have their own, like, internal desires to put themselves first, to get everything they can. And just the sense of entitlement, um, like the kids who just knock this woman's groceries out of her hands and then walk right by. Um, and I think that it's really interesting that, like, you know, like, they kind of use it to sh sort of illustrate how, like, the privilege that white people have in the society has led to this individualism. And as a result, like, no, there's no mu not much of a community. Um, so whereas these... Um, Asian people, and even, like, we see very briefly, um, you know, like, a, a group of black kids all hanging out, they have this sort of sense of community, right, this this idea of, like, being together and having each other even when things are bad, um, which I think they kind of show how different that is from white culture in that time. That's very true, actually. They, I didn't even think of that, or, like, think of them not showing very many white folks um yeah also that like i guess it's not really related but that scene with the the group of uh african americans was like kind of weird um when they were on the street corner and like harassing sue that, no that's that... a really strange one i will say i think yeah. every single problem in the entire movie except for the big problem with a gun like 
and I mean, when he solves a problem without a gun, he only solves it because they think he has a gun. Well, yeah, but he, uh, that's what I was just going to say, solving the big problem, he just faked him out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, really maybe like, that's not a good portrayal of problem solving. Yeah, so. I don't know how I feel about that one. But actually, I was reading about this after I finished the movie because I got into it. Um, What's his name? Walter Whitman? Is that him? Uh, Kowalski. No, no, no. The, the old guy who actually plays him. Huge oh, guy. oh, that's a, uh, no, no. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> that's just and that's just a poet, I think, or or, or writers like Walt Whitman. Oh, Walt Whitman is a poet. How do I not know this? It's just, it's I, so obvious. I can't remember it right now, but I really didn't know it until you guys said it earlier. No, no, uh, no. Yeah, I can't think of it. Clint Eastwood. Oh my Clint God. Eastwood, Clint Eastwood. Yeah, I had the Dude. right idea with the first syllable, first name. It, and the syllable are you about to say that it was his son that? was hanging out with sue in that scene no it is the 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 white dude who walks up with them or walks up with sue is clint eastwood's son that's kind of swag no i was gonna say that clint eastwood um i was googling him because he's kind of cool and i know i've seen him in other movies and so i was kind of surprised um and so i was googling him and i was like yo this guy's crazy and he's still alive this dude is actually still kicking it it's crazy um yeah, wasn't he just in that uh end game part two or whatever he was in that? Well, who was he? Cap. Oh, oh shoot. That oh, makes so shoot. much sense. That's insane. Dude, that's yeah. crazy. He doesn't look like Cap, but I'm glad they casted him. He seems like he's falling apart. Anyways. So- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, anyways. He kind of does. He looks so frail. I watched him in the movie and I thought he was going to break. Um, he's an old man. What do you want? I don't like old men. Anyways. So Clint Eastwood was, um, was like, he had an article about him on the internet, which I thought was really interesting. So it's kind of saying that he actually endorsed, he didn't endorse, but he voted for and talked about voting for Trump in the 2016 election, I think. And then the 2020 election came around and they asked Clint Eastwood who he was voting for again. And um, at first he was like kind of saying like, you know, Trump, but I don't endorse him. I just think he's better. And then eventually he said he was going to go vote for someone else. He was going to vote for Mark, Mark, Mike Bloomberg in lieu of Donald Trump. Um, and I just, I don't know. I thought it was very interesting, um, but also not surprising with the way that the movie tackles racism, um, that he would have been a much more right-leaning person. I think it says a lot about his character that he you know, had never really was supporting Trump and just kind of like walked away. Like, I know it's still kind of very taboo, especially in Shaker, but um, it is, you know, very notable that he does consider, um, you know, like race issues when he is voting for presidents and also just competency. Um, and apparently he describes himself as a libertarian. Um, so it almost makes me feel like Clint Eastwood did have an idea of um, like, the message and plot of the movie and almost that he was integral in coming up with it because i don't know it just seems like we can tell a lot about who he is as a person by the plot of that movie yeah that's very interesting um first of all mike bloomberg that's not like as a libertarian why would you vote for mike bloomberg but whatever i mean Um, you vote for trump as a libertarian either libertarians are just kind of wild yeah, but I can sort of understand like being a little confused by Trump and voting for him, but I I don't see the Bloomberg vote. But um, 
okay. I definitely have something to say, and I definitely forget it. Yeah, low-key, that would be fun. Okay, wait, sorry. I I know I wanted to say that, but then I forget what I was actually going to say about the movie. Uh, I come back to me. Come back to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm not sure. I like 110 percent followed the point you were making about um, the uh, like the actors voting and his role in the movie, but. Okay. Basically, what I'm saying is that I think that the approach that um, they all take in Gran Torino to oh. racism is very, very unorthodox. Um, there's a lot of things, especially now, that would be really, really, like, crazy to see, you know, an anti-racism racism movie, right? Like, um, Oh, yeah. You can't use slurs like that. Slurs, um, like, just the way that they all come together. Um, I mean, it's just like the portrayal overall. It's very unorthodox. Um, and I almost feel like, uh, not Walt Whitman. Gosh, I forget his name again. Um, Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Clint Eastwood's um, trail uh, almost lines up with his beliefs. I feel like it is very oh. interesting because I don't normally think about you know the idea of tackling racism on the right, but um. I almost feel like that's what he's doing, you know, as a libertarian. This is his way of talking about how racism should end. And I feel like there is still this, like, machismo that exists on the right side um, that kind of shows that you can't just, you know, like, hug it out, like, fix everything. Stupid, you know? That was a much better way of explaining it. That makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah, Um, that is, it's like just this, you have to tough it out and take the racism and then you'll earn it. Like, you know, like, I don't know if it's right, but I think that it's definitely interesting to see the idea of what um, battling racism on a more right-leaning side would be. I mean, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd agree. If anything, it, it felt like, at least from my personal experiences, it felt more realistic. You know, like, you're not, there's not going to be a, a Harvard lawyer to swoop in and save the community. You know what I mean? Like, it's got to start from within, like the people who are actually living there. But at the, I mean, I it, let me add to that. There's certain aspects that were maybe maybe a little bit different than my experience, because uh, you know I don't know too many people who carry guns, like too many old, like really old people who carry guns. But yeah, I don't know. I think its portrayal was was a little bit more like relatable if that makes sense yeah yeah um something i wanted to say is i I just saw this uh malcolm x quote uh last night um so it's an interview i don't i don't know what the context was i just saw like this part of it but the interviewer says something like oh so do you think we're making progress in this country um and he doesn't say this but obviously he means in regard to like racial inequality and racism and and Malcolm X goes like no if you if you stab me if you shove a knife into my back and then you and you shove it in six inches and pull it out three inches that's not progress if you pull it out completely that's not progress progress is healing the wound from the original stab and I thought that was really a good way of looking at this like like just you know stopping like for example with um like race in america like just stopping segregation 
is not enough. Like that doesn't actually heal the wound. And then in this context, I don't know what exactly it would be like. Maybe, um, I don't know, but I, I just wanted to share that because I think it's sort of related to the Clint Eastwood approach to like race relations. But what do you guys think? And then Mia, if you want to say something completely unrelated to that, that's cool. I just wanted to share that quote because I love it. No, I really I like it. Right. Yeah, I would say that you can totally connect that to the movie, right? Um, specifically in the sense that, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, like the, the, the again, the Republican way of approaching, or yeah, we're calling it that now, but it's probably more just regular, like right leaning. The more right leaning way of defeating um, or, or approaching racism, and it's it's much more realistic again. But I think that. Um, this movie kind of shows almost healing, right? This kind of coming together of a community, um, the importance of appreciating one another's cultures and finding similarities um, and how that has a huge impact on um, coming together. And also how, you know, like maybe saying slurs and having safe spaces or whatever, you know, like traditionally is the liberal way of approaching racism isn't as functional as we thought. I, I think that's a good stopping point. I, I will you need to go. But um, if you want to do an outro, um, you guys, you can do that. I'll just be walking around and doing my thing. Because um, I think we've talked enough. Yeah, we have we enough. We have enough material. All right. Um, then I can cut this out. I will edit it. Because that's my bad for interrupting. But if we can just start like a like okay. an outro. Okay, I feel like we've kind of covered a lot. I feel like, again, it kind of leaned towards one movie, but it kind of always goes that way. Um, I think there tends to be a favorite, and then um, it kind of pulls the discussion in one direction. But I still think we got to talk about a lot, especially because um, it's such an important global issue. Um, so, yeah, maybe do we want to do, like, some closing statements, anything like that? Um, like, each their closing thoughts? Sure. Just, yeah. Was that your closing thoughts? Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, um, um, oh. <laughs> uh, okay, I got it, I got it. All right, you, you got it. Just, just keep this in. I love this. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, obviously, uh, this this was my episode to pick the movies. Um, and I, like I said in the beginning, um, kind of struggled to pick a second movie. Uh, Just Mercy seemed to fit the bill as far as Addressing the, uh, the the typical idea of racism in America, whereas um, Gran Torino was a little bit of a different approach, both um, both in who the movie portrayed, being uh, an Asian American family, um, and in the way they portrayed it, um, being as we kind of reached the conclusion of uh, a slightly more right wing feeling, um, like portrayal of the the way to address racism or a way to address racism in America. And I think it really brought up some great comparisons and some great points too about like what we believe to be right and wrong as far as a what what should be and shouldn't be shown in film and like also more broadly what what's a a good way and a not so good way of or not just one or, one or the other but you know different ways of going about addressing racism in your day to day lives. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed both of those movies, and um, our discussion was really good. So, 
I'm, I'm glad we did talk about that because it's, it, it is a very different approach that from that, which we are used to seeing in shaker and like in 2021. Um, so yeah, I'm glad we did that. I, I think it was a really good way to sort of like compare our own approach to another approach. That's not just, you know, like explicitly a racist approach, like, cause usually like we pit ourselves, you know, I would say like conceptually or like in theory, like we think like, oh, it's us, like people who are, you know, anti-racist and blah, blah, blah against like, you know, well, I guess there's, there's gray area because there's people who like would, you know, well, whatever. Okay. But I feel like oftentimes it seems like it's, you know, uh, anti-racist people against racist people. And I, that's actually a very bad way to frame it because there's the whole thing with like, being not racist is not just is not enough to be anti-racist but it's a it's a different perspective from that which i am used to seeing in my daily life when i talk about race relations because i'm in score and i do a lot of um, talking about race relations and this is sort of a different perspective because everyone in score except a few people have pretty much the same perspective so i appreciated that so thank you for picking those movies yeah thank you yeah, and I think that brings to a close the final episode of the Cinema Analysis Podcast. That's so, so thank sad. you guys for listening. Yeah, so thank sad. you. Thank you guys for listening. All right, bye-bye.